Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining me here in studio today for the conversation, glad to have back with me Amantia Muhadini, sustainable and impact investing strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Amantia, great to be back with you as always. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Great to be here in person. Absolutely. So I know, Amantia, you're joining me this morning to speak to our listeners, our clients about the Chief Investment Office's recent recently published report, Sustainable Insights, a bit of play on words there with the SI and Insights capitalized. I assume that's for sustainable investing, but it is a quarterly publication. I want to note that for our listeners is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO. Though looking through the report, Amatia, there's of course a lot to dig into. So maybe we can begin by speaking about the latest burning questions section. I know that's a recent edition and the piece does address SI FAQs frequently asked questions. So maybe you can talk about the four that were highlighted for this quarter and pick out one that you want to dive a bit deeper on for our listeners. You're right. There's a lot of questions around sustainable investing and ESG in the public conversation now and, and, and some criticism as well that, that's coming up. And so we added this section on burning questions to the report in order to address some of the top of mind ones. Um, this time around, we looked at the question of is ESG over. Uh, we, we're, we're asking whether the quote-unquote green movement is the one to blame for the energy crisis, another one that has been discussed over the last year in particular. Um, are carbon offsets a scam, uh, which uh, was in conversation over the last month or so? And then broadly an evergreen question, does sustainable investing even make a difference? So these are the four questions. We could spend an hour discussing them. Let me just stop on that first one. Um, is ESG over? Because I hear that question a lot. And and what I'd say is that ESG, Environmental Short-Term Governance, as a catch-all three-letter acronym, uh, might as well be on its way out. We'll have to see over the next few years. But that doesn't mean that, in our view, sustainable investing is over. In in fact, the opposite. What we're seeing is an increased adoption of um, the recognition that environmental, social, and governance factors matter to investing. And so we we think that, that, that ESG, as the acronym, is entering a next phase where it will be increasingly just absorbed into regular ways investing, creating this space and opportunity for sustainability-focused and impact investing strategies to differentiate and look for those investment opportunities. Now, um, you know, where's the evidence for this? Well, one of the points of evidence is that despite a challenging year last year in terms of performance for all asset classes, but also in sustainable investing, we still saw sustainable fund flows being more resilient throughout 2022 than broader market flows. So more assets continue to go towards sustainable indicating a continued uh, focus from the market in recognizing that this still matters as an investment practice. (laughs) So it seems to be quite the misconception is ESG over, clearly not the case, as you outlined for us, Amantia. And again, I do encourage our listeners, our clients to read further into the four highlighted FAQs within this quarter's piece. Uh, Moving along within the publication, Amantia, I know there is a spotlight section for this quarter. It does shine light on U.S.-China relations and, of course, this against the backdrop of 
volatile geopolitical relations. That's well documented, of course. Notably, we've heard about the developments in recent weeks, though. How are these two countries, the United States and China, how are they working independently to develop or implement renewable energy solutions, uh, perhaps reduce their emissions? I'm sure they have big footprints. And is there a path forward here for these two nations to come together for collaboration in these areas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good and very important topic, we think. Um, and and, and you, you know, you use the word volatile. That's probably a better word to describe the relationship. Uh, we talk about uh, this relationship as being more akin to weather change. You know, it's going up and down day to day, season right. to season versus climate change, a slower mm-hmm. <laughs> shift in one direction. Um, the U.S. and China really both matter to this question of decarbonization, of reducing global CO2 emissions, because jointly these two actors make up a little under half of global CO2 emissions today. So them making progress really will make a huge dent in the global trajectory. Um, So that's why this question really matters. It also really matters because historically, when the US and China have gotten together and have agreed Mm -hmm. on questions on climate, it's tended to open up a path for global collaboration. Um, Evidence of this was in 2014, when then President Obama and President Xi met together on in a special summit on climate, uh, issued a formal agreement, which then paved the way to the Paris Climate Agreement just a year later, right? So this is why it matters. And now, what have we seen? Well, a couple of things. Um, in, at, at late last fall, uh, kind of winter in November, uh, President Biden and presidency met at, again at the uh, UN Climate Conference. Um, and that was a kind of a first step of a thawing of a broader challenged relationship of the last uh, few months uh, between the U.S. and China. And they came out again with kind of a joint statement and intent on climate. Um, now, that was... Uh, call it end of last year, just a little over a month ago, uh, U.S. envoy um, John Kerry also took an optimistic tone in the media about the relationship on climate. And then just a few weeks later, you had some of the debacles that were widely covered in the media. So what does this mean in terms of actual policies, right, beyond headlines? Um, we know that the U.S. approved the Inflation Reduction Act, which includes $369 billion that will go to climate-related investments. We think that can be really significant in helping the U.S. Uh, create the space for investment to move towards innovation. Meanwhile, last year, as reported by Bloomberg NEF and Scientific American, China invested $546 billion in solar and wind uh, energy in electric vehicles, in batteries, uh, just last year alone. Uh, and this comes as renewable energy in China hit a record 31% off its total energy generation. So clearly China is making progress ahead as well. Now you could say, well, then these two countries are, are, are kind of going their separate paths. Why does collaboration matter? Well, it matters because in this area, just like many others, they're very interdependent. Um, China is a home to the production of over 75% of global polysilicon. This is a key material in solar production. Um, and the U.S., just to give you a sense, last year banned imports of polysilicon from uh, one of the provinces of China over concerns of human rights abuse in 2021. Sorry, it's not last year. Um, and this um, may have hampered the U.S.'s own ability to increase solar installations. And in fact, UBS um, estimates that new solar installations grew only by 16% in the U.S. last year, compared to 68% globally. So, so you see kind of this interdependence. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, China being the home to materials doesn't mean it can just go on by itself. 
um, a key component in electrification are semiconductor chips. Um, and uh, with the U.S. Chips Act and sort of other actions in relation to China, um, there's there's a risk there that the progress in China can be slowed down without collaboration. So we think we're watching this relationship very closely. We think competition between the two countries can stand in lieu of collaboration. They can still make mm -hmm. progress, um, but that progress would, would potentially be be slowed down. So, so it's a very important relationship to keep watching. Clearly, when these two nations work together, there's more of an impact that could be made. And it sounds like there's some historical precedent for cooperation, which is encouraging. So hopefully, with that weather analogy, some brighter skies ahead. It seems like for every thunderstorm, there might be a period of blue skies. So we'll see what lies ahead from here, though. All right, there, there's much else, of course, Amatia, within the publication that we do encourage our listeners, our clients to dive into the before we close out with our conversation today, can you speak a bit, Amantia, to how the chief investment office is currently recommending investors consider an investment approach in the sustainable investing space? What might be some considerations our clients, listeners should keep in mind? Sure. So, I mean, what I'll say, uh, let's see how, how far we can stretch this analogy. I'd say grab your umbrellas and your sunscreen mm. <laughs> uh, and keep them both at hand. What this means from an investment perspective um, is twofold. Um, speaking specifically on the question that we're discussing on decarbonization, this China-U.S. relationship, um, we think that investors should, should gain exposure to companies that are aligned with the clean air and carbon reduction theme. We also see opportunities in smart mobility as well as in energy efficiency. And what's important here is to diversify both across regions. So think about um, the U.S., Europe, and Asia-Pacific, but also diversify across the supply supply chains, uh, all of the different components, materials, all of the companies that are engaged in delivering these opportunities. So this answers sort of the, the kind of the smaller question here on what we're discussing today. Um, I'd say our broader guidance when it comes to sustainable investing is to take a holistic portfolio approach and think about diversification around equities and fixed income, but also think about diversifying between your thematic solution type strategies, what we're discussing now, your ESG type best in class companies that are leading their peers in sustainability. Think about green social and thematic bonds around the fixed income side and think about multilateral development bank bonds, um, all of which are new terms I'm introducing now, but but more of that in this report uh, and the conversations that, that we'll continue having together, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Amantia, thank you very much for dropping by to talk about the publication. Of course, I do encourage our listeners and especially our clients of UBS to have a follow-up conversation with your UBS financial advisor to learn more about the investment considerations Amantia mentioned here on the podcast today. Though Amantia has been joining us to talk about the Sustainable Insights quarterly publication. Again, that's available for you now up on UBS.com slash CIO for clients of UBS. Simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor to receive a copy directly. Though again, today we've been joined by Amantia Muhadini, Sustainable and Impact Investing Strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Amantia, thank you again. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. 
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.